From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Lone Fir Cemetery is one of the oldest continuously operating cemeteries in Portland. It also serves as a painful reminder of the racist and exclusionary treatment of Chinese immigrants who first arrived in Oregon in the mid-1800s, working as miners, merchants, and other laborers. From the 1860s to the 1920s, roughly 2,800 Chinese immigrants were buried in a section of Lone Fir now known as Block 14. By the late 1940s, Multnomah County officials said that all remains at Block 14 had been repatriated, but they hadn't, according to an archaeological survey. Today, Block 14 is a bare field with no permanent reminder of its history or its significance, but that's going to change. Metro, the regional government agency that now owns a cemetery, is going to use a voter-approved parks bond to build a memorial. Hannah Erickson is a communications specialist at Metro Parks and Nature. Helen Ying is the president of the Lone Fir Cemetery Foundation. They both join me now. It's great to have you both on the show. Hi. Thank you. Hannah, first, so this cemetery is known for many things, including the burial site for Portland mayors and Oregon governors, people whose names are on the streets that a lot of us use all the time. How did it also become a burial site for many, many members of Portland's Chinese community? Well, it's a little hard to tell. We have uh, commissioned quite a bit of historical research, but we've never found any actual papers that show like the contract of when the southwestern uh, corner of the cemetery became a Chinese cemetery. But we know that by the 1880s, it was well established as the Chinese section of Lone Fir Cemetery. Um, there's a lot of rumors about and legends about how that came to be, that it was owned by a railroad company um, and that they were burying uh, their Chinese employees there. That turned out not to be the case when we dug into the research um, while we were doing due diligence on this project. Hmm. What was typically the process for returning the remains of people who had been buried there for reburial in China? Yes, um, according to cultural traditions, uh, bodies would be buried in the Chinese cemetery. Um, and then after a, a period of time, often many years, uh, the bones would be uh, disinterred and they would be cleaned by um, someone who was a specialist in this and then placed in a metal box that also had uh, the person's name and their home village and family on it. And then they would be, uh, those remains would be returned to uh, their ancestral burial plot in China so that they could be tended by family. Hmm. Helen, you grew up in Portland. How much did you hear about what we now call Block 14? So, Dave, I actually have not heard anything about um, Block 14 until probably in the 2000s. Hmm. How do you explain that? I mean, this is a, a hugely significant piece of Portland history and Chinese-American history in, in Portland, um, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't talked about. No, I, I think um, this is a prime example of the buried history. Literally. Literally. Hmm. And, um, and, 
and and you know now that it's come to light, and as I <laughs> learned about this more and more, it, you know it just um, helps to 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 see the um, possibilities of unearthing even more history um, in other ways, right? And the reason why I say that, Dave, is because you know I recently um, you know was when when um, I went and you know do some more research about the ledger. Well, can you actually can you describe the ledgers that, yes. that you looked at? Yes. Um, so the ledgers uh, with you know it's like a record of um, the members who were you know individuals who were buried there, and and I want to just tell you a little bit about you know tying to your earlier question um, about how these ledgers were discovered again. You know, so so again as Hannah mentioned. Um, burial uh, burials of Chinese individuals um, were you know, it started way back in the 1800s, late late 1800s, and um, in you know it, it the last burial was probably like in in 1927, 1928, and so think about the time you know um, of of what people what what the society was like for the people living here and the Chinese Consolidated Benevolent Association Oregon was founded like other um, similar organizations around the country because they there was nobody looking after them right and so they had to turn to each other because of the discrimination that was going on and um, and so for the men and women and children who were here, um, not very many women and children for, for that, uh, in that case. Because of, because because, of federal law. Uh, yeah, because of federal laws. And um, so yet, you know, uh, they kept a ledger. But then these, these two books were like just, you know, stored in the basement of the building of CCBA um, in Old Town, Chinatown, and um, and and it was found by accident, Dave. So yeah. one of our um, so Chinese uh, language school was one of the services that CCBA offered, and Rebecca Liu uh, was the principal for this uh, program for. Um, over 15 years. And she, she told me, I just recently asked her about it. And she told me, she says, Helen, I found these two ledgers while I was in the basement searching for um, teaching materials hmm. for the Chinese language school. Like, sh- like she came upon it, you know, and she didn't know what they were. And then when in 2007-ish, you know, or earlier, uh, when, when this you know, situation or disinformation came to light, she put the two and two together. Hmm. And finding out that this is information about the people who were buried there. Yeah. Hannah, what have you learned over the years at Metro or maybe Multnomah County before you from archaeological surveys about human remains that are still at this site? Well, Dave, uh, Block 14... Um, has been uh, designated as a historic site by the state. And so we're very limited in what we're allowed to talk about when it comes to archaeological findings. However, we do know from those ledgers and from other research that has been done um, that there is probably, that there are probably still bodies 
in this site. How has that fact, and I appreciate, uh, I guess there, there are rules about what you can talk about. It's almost like posthumous HIPAA or, or something that, that you can't tell us everything about what has been um, unearthed or the, the information that's been unearthed. But how does the, the basic fact that there are human remains still there, how has that affected the way you have thought about and planned for a possible memorial? It's definitely changed things because we need to be very cautious about the way that we plan our uh, building so that we are not building permanent structures on top of places that are likely places where bodies might be. Hmm. Um, We're trying to minimize the prospect of people walking over graves. So that's why the the two design proposals, I guess, that were released recently, one is is called the, I forget the names, one is a grove and and it is a, a lot of beautiful trees, ginkgo trees that will turn beautiful yellow colors around now, I suppose, if they were planted, um, but as opposed to buildings. And, and the other is more of a, of a kind of prairie hill. And they both have, have some structures, but not in the, in the center, more in the outskirts of, of the plot. How were these chosen? And, and Helen, I'm, I'm wondering if you can describe how they were chosen and also what you felt when you looked at these design proposals. Yes, Dave, you know, so maybe I could just go back a little yeah, bit please. about how these designs came, you know, came to be. Um, so so the Lone Forest Cemetery Foundation, you know, has been, uh, you know, an organizer um, champion for funding as well as getting the public and the communities uh, members to be involved, right, in this process. And so when Metro um, finally, you know, um, res- you know, have the funding designated for this project, they put out, you know, the <clears throat> request for proposal. And and the Lone Forest Foundation wanted to make sure that we, you know, we had a voice in helping to choose the, um, the designers. And, and it was like the stars aligned for us. Um, first of all, Michael Yan, who is the um, lead designer in this project, he's Chinese American. He's from um, Detroit, where um, Vincent Chin, you know, was killed, and he was a child at the time, so he experienced what that was like, and so he understands, you, you know, the impact of discrimination, the impact of being marginalized, and so, and then um, along that line. Um, Metro has organized, you know, outreach and uh, opportunities for the community to give feedback and provide, um, you know, um, perspectives. And I think Michael and his team, they have put together all of the information they gathered and um, and along with the restrictions of where, you know. Don't build here. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, so I think. Right now, the design is um, like like it is you know conceptual and is a beginning phase. And and as, as you know that right now Metro is continuing to gather input from the communities, um, you, not just the Chinese uh, American communities, but you know communities at large as well as the communities representing the mental health um, impacted um, 
members. Well, let me actually yeah. remind folks. So I should say Metro is accepting public comment for these two designs. Um, and the survey is open through November 28th at OregonMetro.gov slash Lone Fir Garden. Hannah, Helen mentioned just now um, the, the mental health aspect of this. My understanding is that um, some of the people who are buried at Lone Fir, I guess at a, at a different place, not Block 14, but not far away, were once patients or residents at what was known as the Oregon Hospital for the Insane. Is the idea to, to somehow memorialize both of these marginalized communities in the same place? We're, we're talking about very different populations, very different histories. Right. We definitely are. Um Though they do share a, a history of being marginalized and excluded um, in different ways, uh, the research that we had to do in order to begin this project um, brought to light some uh, information that went against what had been commonly held beliefs about the area. And one was this idea that uh, patients from the Oregon Hospital for the Insane had been buried in or near Block 14. But as we went forward with our research, and actually you can find a copy of our research into the um, Oregon Hospital for the Insane patient burials um, at Lone Fir Cemetery on our website at that oregonmetro.gov slash Garden website. Um, but as we went forward with that inf- with that research, we discovered that that was not true. That patients had not been were highly unlikely to have been buried in um, block fourteen, and were instead in a different block. And so that has changed a little bit the um, the view of what this memorial is. But the thing is that there's a section of what is currently now Block 14 that was never actually part of the Chinese cemetery. And so that westernmost portion is being designed with the idea that it'll be a welcome space where we can tell the history of the cemetery, we can tell the history of the Chinese and Chinese-American people who were buried in Block 14, and we can tell um, the history of the OHI patients and the history of other marginalized communities, because we are aware that with a, a cemetery as old and as complicated as Lone Fir Cemetery, we are likely to uncover more stories going forward. Hmm. And before uh, Helen, before we say goodbye, whatever the ultimate design is that's chosen, I'm I'm wondering just what you want visitors to come away with or to experience when they're there. Well, um, first of all, is to honor, you know, and pay respect to those who um, are buried there still and those who have been buried there and hadn't been gone unnoticed. Secondly, is to learn and, and contemplate while they're there on, you know, the past as well as the current experiences. And then to be informed of how we could act to make our future even better as a whole, as a people of this country. Helen Ying and Hannah Erickson, thanks very much. Thank you. Helen Ying is the president of the Lone Fir Cemetery Foundation. Hannah Erickson is a communications specialist with Metro Parks and Nature.